Take your Bibles then, if you would, once again to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16, and this morning we will be looking at verses 17 through 23, Lord willing. Romans chapter 16, verses 17 through 23. For those of you who know me know that one of my great joys in life is frightening people. I get a special pleasure out of shocking people back into reality from their state of daydreaming, and uh, for whatever perverse reason, it brings me joy. Um, There have been many targets of that, most notably my family. Uh, They now have learned all of the hiding spots and all of the tricks, and so it's becoming increasingly more difficult for me to shock them, but uh, I do my best. The key to scaring someone is not to present them with something overtly frightening, but it's that beautiful moment where they are there, but they're not there, if you know what I mean. They're physically present, but their mind is elsewhere. And so whether they are humming or singing or daydreaming or thinking of something, and it's just such a beautiful thing to suddenly and unexpectedly bring them back to reality. And again, I just enjoy that so much. I must say, though, recently my wife was the one who did that to me, uh, morning uh, this week, actually, just thinking through my day and all kinds of things, and she knows me well, and so was able to get me quite badly to bring me back into reality uh, from wherever I was at in my head, and so game recognizes game. It is that that I think illustrates well what the Apostle Paul is attempting to show us this morning from this section of Romans 16. He has started with some greetings, individuals in the church at Rome connected to the church of Rome, some of whom he knows personally and has met, like Prisca and Aquila and others, some who he knows by name and reputation that perhaps he has not even met in person. Uh, but he has met through friends of friends, and so he sends these greetings to them, and as we saw last Sunday, he celebrates the reality of the church's family. And yet, because he loves them, he does not want them to just slip into this state of mind where they are almost daydreaming, where they are just sort of floating through the Christian life, and as long as everyone is smiling and greeting one another, everything's great, And they're not aware, they're not in reality with what can happen if we let our guard down. And so as my family and myself now are learning to not let our guards down around the house, all of us as Christians need to be reminded not to let our guard down because it is at those moments where we're just drifting, going through the motions, that bad things can and inevitably do happen. And so follow along with me if you would as I read Verses 17 through 23 in your hearing this morning. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sisypiter, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. This is the word of God. Some have said in reading this section that it doesn't fit. Not that it's not Pauline, but it doesn't seem to flow. He's sharing all these greetings with all these individuals and then seems to stop short and change his tone. And as we know, it's very difficult to gather someone's tone from a written correspondence. But it does seem to be a bit perhaps out of character, and yet it's not when we understand what Paul is trying to do. Paul wants them in Rome to be on their guard, on alert, to be aware that although there is great unity in the church of Rome, it could be better. That's one of the reasons why he wrote the letter, in particular Romans chapter 14 and other places. But he knows that there is a degree of unity there. He says their faith is well thought of and, and, and it's talked about. He knows of it. And yet he wants them to be aware, be on alert, be on guard, that things will come in that can destroy that unity and destroy what God is building in their church, in all churches. And so in the first place then, he says you need to be aware of sound doctrine, aware of sound doctrine. We had the privilege to travel up to Alberton yesterday for a men's conference, and our speaker, Jack Wittick, uh, started with this, or this was a big part of his first presentation and really came throughout the whole day. We need to know what is true. And perhaps in, in many ways, like no other time in our lifetimes, we need to know what is true today. We need to know what truth is. What is sound doctrine? What is the gospel? What is the foundational truth of God and his word, the foundational truth of Christ and his salvation only through him, so that there are no divisions, there are no distractions, there is nothing that can move us from the unshakable foundation of what is sound, what is true, what is right. And so Paul says in the first place, beware those that are divisive. I appeal to you, brothers, he says, to watch out for those who cause divisions and to avoid them. Now to be careful here, Paul is not saying that they are someone who asks questions, that they are someone who has a difference of opinion on something or has a different perspective on something. They are, he is not saying that every church business meeting should just be nobody says anything no member ever has any questions of what's going on. He's not saying that at all. Sometimes this passage and other passages like it have been used by inappropriately by leadership to keep people that they are supposed to be serving uh, from even speaking or even having any questions. Paul's not talking about that. What he is saying is there are those that are going to try to take you away from the gospel. Right? So if it was just differences of opinion or perspective, he's already covered that in chapter 14. But here it's, it's at the core. These are individuals that perhaps never actually believed the gospel or perhaps said they did but have now deviated from it. They, they, they have found a path that adds to or takes away from the gospel and they are asking you to go there with them. They are moving away from where the church is and has been. They are the ones that have moved and they are thereby causing disruption, disunity, and division. 
And Paul says, as it accords with what is true, what is sound doctrine, what is the gospel, what is the good news that we are great sinners, but there is a great Savior, Jesus Christ the righteous. The good news that we are all sinners. And yet the better news that there is a Savior, Jesus Christ, who has died and risen again to pay the penalty for our sins. The truth then that all of us are equal before the cross of Christ. None of us are here this morning because we are better than anyone else or smarter than anyone else or more moral than anyone else. But they were all family united in Christ and in Christ alone. It is not our political positions that unite us. It is not our socioeconomic status that unites us. It is not our ethnicity or background that unites us. But what unites us is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says anyone who takes you away from that, mark them, beware of them, and avoid them. He will say to the churches at Galatia, if an angel from heaven speaks to you a different gospel than this message, that you need to do this in order to be a real Christian, that you have to know these or have this experience or you, you have to add this or you have to subtract this from your life, you have to follow this list of rules or these things. Paul says, anyone who teaches you anything different than what I taught you, which is that we are saved through the free, sovereign grace of God through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit alone, he says, mark them and avoid them. They are taking you down a path that is wrong. And it will shake you at your core. It will cause disunity, division. It will cause discouragement. It perhaps will even cause unbelief, denial. He says, mark them that, have, that cause divisions and avoid them. Not people that have differences of opinion, necessarily. Not people that have different personalities than you. That's not what he's talking about. As it relates to the gospel, he says, be aware. Be careful. Paul has personally experienced individuals that have traveled with him whom he has also greeted and sent greetings from, who have turned on him. They've turned away from the gospel. So Paul says, keep the main thing the main thing, and beware of those that are divisive. Secondly, then, beware of false teachers. Anyone who creates obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Yes, here's the truth of the gospel, but here are the five steps you need to take before you get there. Or yes, we thank God for the gospel, but here's the 12 steps after the gospel that will really get you in. Paul says, anyone who creates obstacles, stumbling blocks, barriers to Jesus Christ, to the doctrine that you have been taught, he says, mark them and avoid them. This is strong language. This goes against our Canadian sensibilities, our maritime congeniality congeniality, but Paul says this is not something to play around with. This is not something to avoid or, or deny or downplay. He says, be careful, be on guard. Love one another enough to watch out for one another. And is there someone who is believing wrongly, believing that they can earn their way to God's favor, believing that they have earned their way to God's favor, Believing that because they have done certain things for a certain period of time, that they are better than others or more deserving of things than others or they have more power than others in the church or any number of things. Paul says anybody who is believing and teaching falsely, who's creating barriers to the free grace of God through Jesus Christ by the Spirit, he says, mark them and avoid them. This is strong language, but it needs to be. This is not to create a culture of suspicion 
or everybody that we sit next to, we're just wondering when, when are they going to deviate from the faith. That's not what Paul is trying to, he's not trying to uh, snitch culture, right? That's not what he's trying to say. He's simply saying, out of love, as you interact with one another, know where each other is at. And the slightest deviation that starts to take us away from the gospel, the good news that is only found by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. He says, mark those individuals. Be aware, be alert. Secondly, be aware then of godly character. There are those that speak rightly or seem to, but their character is false, and eventually their message will also be false. Such persons, he says, those that cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine, notice how they go about it. They do not serve our Lord Christ, but instead their own appetites. He says in the first place, beware of idolatry. This word appetites there in the original language is their belly, their stomach. It's the same thing that he uses in the church, written in the letter of the church of Philippi. Individuals that seem to say the truth, but maybe mix a little bit of falsehood in with the truth, but it really sounds good. They're really charismatic. It really comes across well. He says, watch out. Because their character is such that they are not serving you and they are not serving God for his glory. They're simply serving themselves. Whatever their desires are, whatever their appetites are, that's who they're in it for. You want people in your life and you definitely want people leading you in the church who have your best interest in mind and God's glory paramount. That they are not leading you for themselves. That they are worried about their brand or elevating themselves on social media or adding to their number of followers or advancing their cause. God calls the shepherd to care for the sheep. Elders are to be the servant leaders in the church. But these types of leaders, Paul says, be, be aware, because he knows, he says to the church at Ephesus in Acts 20, he says in so many other places, watch out, there's going to be wolves in sheep's clothing that are going to come into the church. And they're going to be divisive. They're going to look nice. They're going to dress nice. They're going to speak nice. They're going to butter you up. They're going to flatter you. They're going to say nice things and make you really feel good about yourself. He says, be careful. Their motivations are false. They're following themselves. Beware of idolatry. And then secondly, of course, beware of false speech. By smooth talk, he says, and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. The psalmist talks about an individual whose words are smooth as oil, smooth as butter, but inside their heart they're drawn swords for war. They speak love, but really it's hate. They speak forgiveness, but really it's grudge bearing. Watch out, he says. Someone that pumps you up overly much. Someone that really sort of goes overboard in the affirmation. Be careful, he says. Is what they're speaking true? Even if what they're speaking about you, in the sense that they're speaking good things about you, is not fully true. We are very poor judges of our own imperfections. And so someone comes along and tells us that we're awesome, we're like, yeah, I know, but I'm glad you said that. That's really great. Tell me more. And Paul says, hang on, be careful, watch out. That's how false teachers propagate. That's how they get the following. They don't come in and say, I am speaking the words of Satan this morning, so gather around. They come in with smooth talk and flattery. Paul says, watch out. Be aware. I love you, he says, church at Rome. 
And because I love you, I'm telling you, watch out. Be aware of sound doctrine. Know doctrine. Know it well. So you know the real, you can spot the counterfeit. And be aware of godly character. You will note that even in the qualifications for an elder, other than the ability to teach, all of them are about a man's character, not about his skill set. Character. Is it really all about themselves, or is it actually about God's glory and about you? Does this person really care about you, or do they only care about themselves? And do they pump you up and speak words of flattery and smooth talk, but in doing so, have they deceived you and brought you away from the gospel? Anybody that tells you you're better than you are is someone to be noted. Paul says, watch out. Thirdly then, aware of our own character. And notice the depth or the progression here. He's saying, no sound doctrine, the words, the knowledge. Deeper than that, understand the character of those who are speaking falsely. And now he turns the attention onto them. He says, be aware of your own character. Notice in verse 19, for your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you, he says. They have affirmed obedience. What a beautiful thing it is that these Christians at Rome are living out the gospel. They're believing and living out the gospel. That's amazing. And yet, Paul says in the second place, they need to have wise awareness. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. So good that they are not deceived. So wise that they will not be deceived. So good that they are not deceived, so wise that they will not become deceived. He says, be aware, be aware. Where do you think the evil one is going to attack? Is the evil one going to attack a church that has not preached the gospel? Is the evil one going to come after a church that's already squabbling over power and positions and is divisive and on the verge of a split? Satan's already been there, done his work. Where do you think the evil one is going to attack? We have a denomination in our country that has a pastor who is publicly an atheist. You think that the evil one has continued to attack that denomination, that church? He's already been there and done his work. Where is he going to attack? He's going to attack the church that is preaching, believing, and living out the truth. So watch out, Paul says. How is your character? Where are you at, Christians in Rome? What work do you still have to do? What things do you need to reread in the letter? <laughs> Go back through, Jews and Gentiles together. Where have you not forgiven? Where are you not living out the gospel? Be aware. I'm so glad for your obedience. But I'm also so careful and cautious about the continuation of that obedience into the future. What is going to keep Grace Baptist Church from going down a path where it begins to deny the gospel? What is going to keep Grace Christian School, from denying the gospel and, and going into these ideologies that are so prevalent nowadays. What is going to keep us from that? It's our commitment to Jesus Christ, to the gospel, to the word of God. So always be aware of these things. Boy, they sound good, don't they? Paul says, watch out. There is only one gospel. There is only one Savior. There is only one body of truth. So he says, although your obedience is known to all, and I rejoice with you in that, watch out. Attacks are coming from without and from within. So be aware. And where is our hope then? Is it in our intelligence, our intellect, 
our ability to keep the gospel. No, this is a supernatural work of God. And notice where he goes in in verse 20, aware of God's presence. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Grace Baptist Church, our hope is not in any particular leader. Our hope is not in our heritage. Our hope is not in any particular group of members who are sort of the watchers of, of the doctrine. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in God alone. What is going to keep us on the right tr track five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now? How are we going to continue to preach the truth of God's word and only the truth of God's word without apology and without deviation? Only God's able to do that. And so, Paul says to the church at Rome, in any ways where you are failing, please understand Jesus has succeeded. Any place that you are struggling, God is able. He is all-powerful. Any places where you are doubting, God is able to overcome that doubt and unbelief. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Interesting that Paul calls God the God of peace. He uses that terminology elsewhere in the letter. But this God of peace is doing what? Crushing Satan under your feet, reminiscent of Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel, that the, that the ultimate son of Eve would have his heel bruised by the serpent, but that he would crush the serpent's head, Jesus Christ the righteous. In order for there to be peace, there must be war against evil and sin. And God is the one that is doing that, and he says, because God is doing that, we have hope. What hope do we have that these ideologies that are out there in our current society will not take over? What hope do we have that we will not be canceled by cancel culture? What hope do we have that we can continue to toe the line on the truth of God's word and stand on it and not be shaken? What hope do we have to do what Paul has warned us to keep on doing? What hope do we have? Our only hope is in Jesus Christ. Our only hope is in an all-powerful, sovereign God. He will crush Satan under your feet. I just, it's amazing in our Bible reading plan how it continues to come into this. Hezekiah is sitting there in 2 Kings and he's under attack by the Assyrians and the Assyrians have already taken Israel into captivity years before and now they're on the doorstep of Jerusalem. These people are starving. And the representative from the Assyria speaks in the language of the Hebrews and says, who is able to save you from us? All of the other nations have fallen before the might of Assyria. Who is this God? And Hezekiah prays, and the next day, 185,000 people are struck dead by the Almighty God. And the Assyrians leave just when it appears that all is lost. Read Scripture over and over and over and over again. Who is in control of the universe? Our God is in control of the universe. Who is the one who is our ever-present help in time of need? God is our ever-present help in time of need. Who is the one who saves? God saves. Who is the one who keeps? God keeps. Who is the one that will bring us all the way home? God is the one that will bring us all the way home. Thanks be to God for his peace and his power, and then, of course, his amazing grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, this greeting of Paul. Thank God for his grace. We are not better. We are not more intelligent. We are not more moral. We have simply had the supernatural power of God enlighten us, open our hearts and minds to see the truth about ourselves and Him. We are sinners. He is our only Savior. Thanks be to God for His 
grace through Jesus Christ. This is our hope. And so even in this, don't see this again as that all of this is on us to be heresy hunters and, and, and all of these things are on us. Paul is giving these words of warning, but he's also giving words of hope. All of this is the supernatural work of God. And then notice in the last place then Paul is aware of family. These greetings, he's sending his greetings to the Christians in Rome, and now those that are with him also want to send these greetings. And so these individuals are there with Paul, probably in Corinth, based on verse 23. And there, it's almost as if they're in this room together. Paul's finishing up his letter, and they're like, oh, hey, say hi to the Christians in Rome for me, would you? And so that's what these greetings are being sent, these individuals. Timothy, Lucius, Jason, Sisipater, Tertius, Gaius, Erastus, and Cordus. All these individuals want to add their greetings to the Christians in Rome. And what do we see here? Just a few things. Paul is aware of family. He's aware of the next generation. There in that greeting, as with many of his letters, is Timothy. Paul understands that he is not going to be around forever. And so he is passing the gospel on to others most notably his son in the faith, Timothy. And Timothy has passed that gospel on to others who passed that gospel on to others who passed that gospel on to others. And here we are in Charlottetown, PEI, a place that Paul did not even know existed. And we are in 2021, a year that Paul couldn't have fathomed we'd get to, and we are believing in the same gospel as the Apostle Paul. Paul's aware of the next generation. There is gospel work to be done. Why does it matter that we are aware of sound doctrine, aware of godly character, aware of our own character, and aware of God's presence. Why does that matter? It matters mostly and ultimately for God's glory, but it also matters for the next generation. We are one generation away, someone has said, from losing the gospel. It matters. It's important. It's vital. It's necessary. And Paul's aware of that. He's aware of a loving accountability. This list of individuals are individuals that have kept him accountable and that he is accountable to and has kept them accountable. You can't do this alone. You cannot live the Christian family by yourself, Christian life by yourself. You need your Christian family. We need each other. And Paul is aware of that. He's aware of loving support. Gaius is hosting him and the whole church, perhaps in his own home. Erastus, the city treasurer, and Cordus, who is perhaps in a position of municipal authority, is also with them. There's all kinds of support. Paul had financial support, prayer support, other means of support for his ministry and the ministry of the gospel. And he's just got to talking about this uh, collection that he took up for the church in Jerusalem from the Gentile churches that he had visited. We all need this loving support. And we talked about that last week. And then lastly, aware that we are not alone. Paul's writing to individuals that perhaps he has known of, some he has met, some he has not, and he's writing from individuals that also care about these other individuals. What a beautiful reality that in the, the, the family of God is big. And one of the lies Satan wants to tell us all the time, he wants to isolate us. And he did a pretty good job during the last 18 months. Satan wants us alone because alone we are vulnerable. Alone we are susceptible any number of things. We must remember the truth of God and his word. We are never alone. Elijah got to the place where he actually says to God twice, I'm the last one left, and God says, no, you're not. We all struggle. But Satan wants you to believe that the struggle you're having is yours and yours alone. He wants you to believe that the sin that you're committing and, and continually committing is yours and yours alone. 
that real Christians don't do those kinds of things. He wants to separate you away from your family. But Paul says we are in this together and we need each other. So what is our response then this morning, Grace Baptist Church? We need to stay alert. Thank you, God, for the family here at Grace Baptist Church, a family that he's growing both internally together as we are bonding closer together with one another and also he's growing numerically as more people are coming in. Thanks be to God for that. But Paul's message to the Christians at Rome is the same message to us this morning. Watch out. Be aware. Be awake. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. Don't daydream. Don't drift through your Christian life. Perhaps you think, well, I'm reading the Bible most days. I'm praying at least at meals, I'm coming out to church, I'm doing my thing, I've gotten to a point where I'm okay, I'm just going to drift into glory, and Paul says that doesn't exist. He even says late in his life that he needs to preach the gospel to others and himself, so that he himself, after preaching the gospel to others, does not himself become shipwrecked. We need the gospel every single day. Every single day to know that we are sinners, but also saints, to know that we are great sinners, but there's a great Savior, Jesus Christ the righteous. We don't just need the gospel as a prayer that we prayed in the past or as our hope for the future. We need it every single day in our lives. And there's never a day off. And there's never a time where we coast or drift. Paul says, thank you for your obedience, but keep leaning into the gospel and don't let up. We need God every single day. And we need to remember that and remind each other of that. Be alert, be awake, be aware. Thank God for the blessings, but understand that we have enemies that wants to take them away. But thanks be to God, he is always greater, even than our sin. Let's look to him in prayer this morning as we prepare for communion. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and grace to us, that you have given us eyes to see and minds to understand and hearts to feel. And Father, that we can see truth in Jesus Christ and in your word, we can know you, have a relationship with you, and grow in that relationship. And Father, we're so thankful for the relative unity that you've given us throughout this time and, and even beyond. And, and this season at Grace Baptist has been just a blessing. But Father, we cannot let down our guard. We cannot become drifters in the Christian life that we just sort of believe that the things that are now will always be, and we can just kind of coast, Father. We need to be active and aware and awake and alert. So help us, Father, to start with ourselves. We're very poor at introspection. As always, Father, let us look in the mirror and ask ourselves how we are doing, where we're at. Are we still believing the gospel? Are we believing something else? Are we trusting in what we are doing instead of what Christ has done? Are we dividing based on what others are believing or doing? instead of uniting around what Christ has done. Father, help us to see the gospel clearly and to live it out in our lives every single day. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.